Good morning. Today we'll be learning Daf Lamed Vav in Maseches Beitza. We have Andrew here. I'm not going to say too much, but Lamed Vav. Somebody here is a Lamed Vavnik, but we can't reveal him because that, then I think he gets swapped out for someone else. Uh, has to be hidden. Okay. We sometimes think that Teku is disappointing because we say, oh, we have this Kasha. And now Teku is like, we have to wait for Mashiach for the answer. But I am working on a, I wouldn't even say half-baked, like a tenth-baked theory that sometimes tekus are not so bad because what we are discussing in today's Gemara, what we started discussing yesterday, is sometimes you just have priorities that seem to be, uh, that you need to balance. And to me, teku could mean, at least in this context, which we're going to see at teku, um, that it's very case-specific. So Tishbi, it's, I don't know that, you know, Mashiach's going to stand on a mountain and say, well, right, uh, the money that was, under, that was left um, in abeyance is going to go to Barry. And this thing is going to go to Andrew. Um, maybe, well, I, I, I don't know. But what I'm saying is as follows. The discussion in our Gemara is, we have, let's say, Shabbos. So we know he's supposed to rest on Shabbos. We even saw in our very Mishnah that you could bring, and now we're going to bring it back to our topic, you could take your produce from the roof, bring it through the skylight on Yantiv, but you can't do it on Shabbos, right? So we see that the priority is, the value is that it's, we, the Chazal were more machmir, as we discussed, because it's supposed to be even more restful on Shabbos, right? We're not talking about doing Averus yet, right? We're just talking about prioritizing rest versus activity. So obviously, we learn Meseches Shabbos, Baruch Hashem, we learn almost finished Meseches Beitz, Baruch Hashem, and so we know what's Aser, what's Mutter, more or less, right? But sometimes you have guests, and you have to arrange tables and chairs, right? Sometimes you have a shear, you have to clear out an area, right? So these things, how do you balance the, the fact that you're also supposed to rest with the fact that you're also supposed to uh, do, or sometimes if you don't move the fruit, so, okay, so you don't move the, the grain and the produce off the roof. So today, you had a more restful day, but tomorrow, when all of your produce is ruined by the rain, on Sunday, you're going to be really upset, right? Or in Motzei Yantiv, in Yisrochai, you're going to be very upset. And that Hefzid Mamon, Chazal is very aware of. And so these are issues that the Gemara tries to bring, tries to balance, ends up with a teku, which what I'm saying is, could just be, you know what, it's very case specific. I'm not going to start telling you now that Hefzid Mamon is more important than resting on Shabbos and Yantiv, right? It, it, it's going to depend on the, on the situation, okay? So with that in mind, by, by the way, and the Arsameach, I think, points it out, I heard from Ari Leibowitz, there's a very contradiction within our Gemara because we say that our Mishnah is clearly saying that Shabbos is more machmir than Yantiv. We know about this balance already. As soon as I'll say it, it'll be familiar to you. Shabbos is more chamer than Yantiv, right? That's why you could bring the produce through the a skylight on Yantiv and not on Shabbos. And yet, one of the reasons why maybe, uh, and let me say, can we compare that case to, to the other case of clearing out the boxes? That's how we begin. We're comparing the Mishnah of bringing the produce through the skylight to the Brisa of moving the boxes to make room for a shear or for guests. And we're going to say some similarities, some differences. And one of the suggestions the Gemara gives is, well, maybe the reason why you'd be allowed to do it on Shabbos is because Shabbos is more chamar, and because Shabbos is more chamar, you're going to be less mezalzel in Shabbos. We're very familiar with this idea because we know with regards to mukta, we say that mukta is more chamar on yantiv because we're more easily mezalzel in mukta. So that would be the same, and yet that's 
And yet our Mishnah says the opposite, right? That we're more machmer on Shabbos because Shabbos is more chamer. So you see, just the fact that Shabbos is more chamer, on one hand, it will reflect in some halachas we're more chamer, in our, like in our Mishnah. On the other hand, it might, when Chazal are making a gazera, actually prompt them to do what? To make the opposite, to, to make a greater gazera in Yontiv in order to not be mezalzel. So everything is a balance, Andrew. And I'm glad that your balance of priorities brought you here this morning on a day that he has a flight at 8.30. May you make it and for gazunt and kum gazunt, travel safely. Okay. So four lines up. Now that we said all these things, let, let, let's, let's do the case. Um, we talked about but what was the case? Right, we said, So towards the end, uh, the five lines up from the bottom of Ham and Aleph, we said, Right, so we said, maybe if it's for Bittel Beis Medrash, again, how do we prioritize these values? So Bittel Beis Medrash, we say you could clear out the boxes, but maybe here we would not. In other words, we're trying to see how, how these two cases, how they would, um, right, how, whether we could uh, learn from one to the other. Inami. There it is that we discussed. That over there, four or five boxes. So there you're going to say, because it's Shabbos, it's Chamor, and, you and you're not going to be Mazalzel, so that's why we're going to let you clear out. Because that case is the case of Shabbos, where you're clearing out some of your storehouse in order to make room for the shear. Avayantiv de kilve asil zilzuli bay, right, klal, uh, right, klal, klal, low, right? In other words, we should not permit any boxes to be lowered through the skylight on yantiv, because yantiv, you might be mezalzel. So that exactly is what I was referring to. That even though the mission is saying clearly that when Shabbos is Mohammer, well, that might prompt Chazal to go in the other direction and make more of a gazera on yantiv, so in order to avoid zilzul. And, and again, it could be the other way. Also says the Gemara, that, right, Hasam over there is the case of the boxes being cleared out. So the reason the Mishnah is going to permit it is there's that consideration we were talking about, right? Because just moving boxes, you're not losing anything, and therefore maybe you'll be okay. But here, right, in our case of, of our Mishnah, where we began the parak, where it's about bringing things in so that they don't get ruined, so maybe even more than five boxes would be okay. In other words, we were trying to say how much, uh, how much produce can you bring in from the skylight? That's how we got into this. What is the shear, so to speak? Are you going to spend all day? Well, that certainly would be a zilzul yontim. So we said maybe we could use the five boxes shear from the case in Shabbos, where we said maybe that's the shear what we would use here and say we could bring five boxes worth of produce and that's sort of like the limit of what we're going to let you do. And yet we're seeing that maybe it's not because Shabbos might be different than Yontiv, right? Hefzid Mammon might be different than clearing out for a shear and therefore the two cases are not comparable. But as we finally arrive at Amin Vavim Aleph, the Mishnah is going, the Gemara is going to persist. Says the Gemara, Hasam Tanan. In that end of the Mishnah over there, we talked about clearing out the boxes, we learned, Avaloa Sa'otzer, that we can move the boxes in order to clear out for the shear, but not from the storage area. Shmuel said, why are we uh, saying that the storage area is off limits? Not because we can't have shear in the storage area, we could, but rather, said Shmuel, No, you can't clear out the entire, the entire storage area. Why? As Rashi explains, once you remove the, all of the boxes, then you start focusing on what, how the floor looks, 
and you're going to come to level of holes in the floor. So it's a xera about the floor. It's just like after I finish straightening out people's teeth, all of a sudden they want their teeth whitened. Until then, they didn't think about it. But now everything looks great, and they see something else that's off. You see how it works? Um, so it's, it's a similar thing. So hachamai. So here in the case of Mishnah, what's the halacha? Are you allowed to lower it through the skylight to protect it from the rain if, in fact, it's going to mean clearing out the entire roof? So I would have said it's not the same cheshben at all because we don't care about leveling the floor of the roof. But maybe that's not the case. <laughs> the Gemara says something else. The Gemara says, again, a balancing of priorities. Same cheshben we said before. Maybe the case of the storehouse because it's usher, because it's very machmir, right? So then we're going to be machmir. But a yantiv, where mekil, maybe we're going to allow them to remove the entire produce and take all of it off the roof. Or maybe, right over there, Shabbos would be more mekil, because there, the, there's an issue where you're clearing it off for a shear. Right? Here you're just trying to protect your produce, local shikane. Then even then, in other words, right, so either Shabbos is more chamor, and here you should be allowed to clear off the entire roof, or over there in the case of Shabbos, you were doing it for a better reason. You were doing it for a bitl base of medrash, but here you don't have bitl base of medrash, you're just clearing it off, and all the more so, we shouldn't allow you to remove it all off the roof. Fine. So, so, so let's see. Let's see some other aspect of that case can be applied to Shabbos. Now we're going to try to bring it the other way. So we now, we're going to take it now from our Mishnah, Good morning to the Gemara and Shabbos the other way as follows. So here we learn our Mishnah. Right. So now we're going to use our Mishnah as the starting point, and we say that we bring it right as our Mishnah said that on Yantiv we can bring the produce through the skylight, but not on Shabbos. Uh, another. Right, uh, variable here, another detail, that that is only within the same skylight, but certainly you can't start jumping from roof to roof. That clearly, if the, if the roofs were not level, then that would be a tirche yaseira, as Rashi explains. But even if the roofs were level, right, the Brysa says, even if the roofs were level, you can't bring it migag lagag. Okay, so we see that, so now we just uh, learn uh, a little more clarity in our Mishnah that's only within the same Gog, but you can't bring it from one, let's say, right, let's say uh, Barry has a development with many different roofs, and in our apartments of distinction, Yushalayim, there are a lot of different in one courtyard, but only one of them has a skylight. So you're not allowed to transfer it from, the, and, and your produce is on the one without the skylight. You can't transfer it to take it to the other skylight. That would be like Chelm. No disrespect to Chelm. We'll talk later about why that specific city in Poland is uh, the butt of jokes. But it it happens to be the opposite. They have the biggest Talmud Chachamim. But anyways, right? But that but that would obviously be silly. That just that it's not like skylight dependent. It has to be in that same um, in that same roof. Anyway, Hasamai. What's the reason that we can move the boxes and Shabbos uh, for for guests? Right. So the Gemara examines. It's like this. The same question we said before. Uh, so we say like this. In other words, the question is, would you be allowed to move migag lagag? We know that with respect to moving produce, you cannot move migag lagag, the produce. Is that true for Shabbos also, that when you try to accommodate guests, uh, you're not allowed to move your boxes from one gog to another in order to have a rooftop shear? That's the question. Gemara says, well... Again, we're going through the same variables. Maybe on Yantiv, because you might be Mazalzel, that's the reason why we don't allow Migag Lagag. 
But maybe Shabbos, because it's already Chamor and we're not going to be mezalzal in it, maybe we will, in fact, allow you to move the boxes from Gog to Gog in order to have, uh, make room for a rooftop shear. Or, Odilma, perhaps the opposite, that even though there's going to be a giant Hefseid Mamon over here with your produce, and that's why uh, we're allowing you to bring it in, and yet we still don't let you do it, Migag Lagag. So you would think, if that's the case, so Hasam Deleka Hefsed Paris Lakal Shekane, all the more so, the Gag Lagag would apply on Shabbos even more so, and therefore you cannot clear it out for a rooftop shear on Shabbos. So here we see again, is the Bittal Torah of Shabbos going to carry the day, or the Hefsed Mammon of the Paris going to carry the day, and we're going to be left with not knowing? Similarly, in addition, Hachatznan, uh, the, the, uh, right, we amended here to Tanya. It's, we said Tznan because it sounds a lot like our, Mishnah, but it's not exactly our Mishnah. This is actually a quote of a Brisa, fourth wide line over here. Goranowitz, lo yishalshalom becheva bechalonis. You shouldn't lower the fruits, as we said, through the windows. Velo yerdem derech sulamos. So, as we said before, you can do it through the skylight, but not through the windows or the fire escape. So, hasamai, what's the law over there? Can boxes? So that's the truth of the halacha with regards to the the produce on yantiv. So can you, let's say you're trying to clear out for a rooftop shear. So you can't do it migag lagag, but can you do it through the fire escape or through the windows? Hasamai, what would be the din? So says the Gemara. Again, the, the competing considerations and priorities. In the case of Yantiv, maybe you'd say it's also because we're not doing it for a shear, we're just doing it for fruit. So maybe for Shabbos, you could in fact clear it out through the window or the fire escape. Maybe you'd say again, the Hifsid Peros is the reason why we're allowing it, you to do it on Yantiv, and yet you're not allowed to do it through the fire escape. And Hasam Delek Hefsid Peros Lakoshkin, and therefore in the case of Shabbos, it's not going to be more Mekil for the, for the Bittal Torah aspect, but rather it's going to be more Machmir because there is no Hefsid Mamun aspect. And therefore, it would be all the more so, Asr, to take it through the fire escape of the window. Says the Gemara Teku. So here's the Teku that I was preparing you emotionally for, where we don't know really how to balance these priorities. And I'm thinking, maybe because it's so case-specific, why would somebody tell you, can you imagine if somebody said, Hefzid Mamon is more chashiv than Bittal Torah? <laughs> so then what would you do? Or Bittal Torah is more chashiv than Hefzid Mamon. You know, the, the, that could be carried to an extreme as well. So maybe that, in fact, is like I said, Teku sounds like uh, we're disappointed because we didn't learn a lesson, but maybe we learned a very important lesson that you can't just categorically say, let's say the Bittal Torah is more important than Hefzid Mamon. Everything has to be within a balance. Okay. So, uh, nine lines down in the wide lines here. Umechasan is a peros. Okay, so this is the next part of the Mishnah. Can you uh, cover peros from dripping water in order to protect them? So Amar Ula. Vafilu Avera de Livne. Rows of bricks can also be covered, not just peros. Rav Yitzchak Amar, peros haruyin. It has to be only produce suitable for yantiv. The azar of Yitzchak letamei. And Rav Yitzchak is, according to a famous pshat of Rav Yitzchak that we've seen already, the Amar of Yitzchak, ain't kli nittal ela davar hanittal b'shabes. Birnbaum happens to be learning the exact parallel gemaras in Shabbos today, so he was all over this. He was the expert in this area here. It's a fascinating idea. What is the shita of Rav Yitzchak based on? Right? Again, what is the shita? You can't ain't kli nittal, you can't take a kli for something which is muktza. <clears throat> so it's a fascinating thing. Muktza, you think, has only to do with the object itself, that you can't move it. Here, even another kli, it's, all, it's similar to the other issue in our Mishnah, which is bitol kli, right? It sounds similar. You don't, uh, in other words, you can't be mevatel a kli that normally you'd be able to use for your cornflakes, right? You can't use it to catch something else 
right? Um, this is like a Bamemad Likian issue over here, um, right? In, in Masechah Shabbos, you can't do, that, that's called, right, that you're taking something and you're Mevat el Kli. This is called En Kli Nital El Davar Hanital B'Shabbos. You can't use a Kli uh, for something that is Mukta on Shabbos. And that is why Rabbi Yitzchuk says, if, in fact, you've got those fruit in a state of compote, right, in a state of decay, where they're muktzah, then you would not be able to cover them. That's a fascinating idea. It's, um, it's almost like if it's muktzah, then it's not supposed to be on your mind, right? It's not supposed to be, like, in your world right now. So you can't, like, start taking other things that normally would be mutter and start taking care of your muktzah items with your mutter items. It's a fascinating idea. Okay. So, Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah... <clears throat> uh, well, we we just learned the muster of balance. There's no, there's, there's almost no greater muster than that. Wow. That you have to keep your life balanced. You have to have a life balanced and, and consider all your priorities. Um, and 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 as we will see soon, actually, is going to be a great muster here. That even for a heter, you need to ask a rabbi. In other words, you may have thought we'll see soon. You may have thought that for yourself to learn an iser, like you could be machmer on yourself. Wow. Well, we'll see. We'll see a case very soon. It's none. We learned in our mission. Mechasin is a Paris bekelim. Okay, our mission, in fact, said that you can cover the peros, right, with, uh, kalim here means, let's say, right, cloths. So peros in, avir delivne lo. So that's where, that's where we get to our uh, issue where we started over here, which is that you could cover the fruit, which are not muksa, but you can't just cover bricks, which are muksa, says the Gemara, not necessarily. Maybe even bricks you could cover. And the only reason that we're saying peros in the case of covering also is because in the beginning of the Mishnah, we started with fruit, and therefore, and therefore, we're going to end off also talking about fruit because we're in fruit mode, and that's the only reason. But, the, but we didn't use fruit in the Seifa of the Mishnah in order to support Rabbi Yitzchak to say that you can only move it for something that is, not, that is fruit. Rather, we use fruit just to keep it parallel with the, with, with the ratio. But in fact, you'd be able to cover bricks as well. Okay. However, we have to continue in our Mishnah and see. Perhaps our Mishnah does, in fact, support Rav Yitzchak. As the Gemara continues to say, it's not. Look at the Hemshech of our Mishnah, the continuation. Right? The Kadiyayin and the Shemen are not Muktzah. Right? So it's possible that we are specifically using non-Muktzah examples of covering these barrels of wine and oil in order to support Rav Yitzchak, right? That we're only going to cover things that are not Muktzah. So the Gemara says, no. There we're talking about Tevel, which the Gemara at this point uh, suggests is Muktza, which causes the first toast of Salam and Ahmed Alves to say, what are you talking about? We just learned that Tevel isn't Muktza because you could take off Miser. So it says, yeah, it's not exactly Muktza, but it's also not exactly something that you move around. That's Tosfus's answer. But be that as it may, Hachanami Mistabra, that is reasonable. Why? Because if you think we wanted to allow pictures of wine and oil, you wouldn't have had to use it. Because we already mentioned peros, right? So, in other words, why change it to oil and wine? In other words, the whole Meiser thing makes sense because why change it to oil and wine if not to teach you the added, um, the added kula that we could even do it with tevel, right? We could have otherwise left it as fruit. And that's what the Gemara explains. The Kadi, Yain, Makadi, Shem, and we had to use it, oil and wine. The reason we used um, uh, oil and wine is not necessarily to teach you the Kula by, Hefset, by Tevel, rather, but you might have, is to get into the Hefset Meruba. 
that you might have thought that lehefsin meruba chashashu lehefsin muat lo chashashu kamash malan that even lehefsin muat chashashu. This can be confusing to you guys because Rashi has to explain hefsin muat is gshamim hanotu malyain hefsin muatu aval peros markivinhan. We think in our society that fruit is less valuable than wine and oil. But in fact, this big jug of wine and oil is less valuable than the fruit in Tanaic times. That's what Rashi's explaining. In other words, a little water into the wine and the oil isn't going to ruin much. And that is, in fact, what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying that the reason why we change it to wine and oil is not because of a Tevil issue, but to teach you that even a Hefzid Muat, such as in wine and oil, is also something that will be choshish enough that will allow you to prioritize and cover them in order to save them. As opposed to fruit, well, as Rashi, whereas Rashi explains, the whole thing is going to be a complete Hefzid, right? In other words, a little bit dilution is not a big deal. Uh, until it gets really ruined, which it's not going to. Whereas here, right, you're going to lose the Paris completely. That's the Hefzid Meruba. Fine. 16 lines up in the bottom. It's nine. We learned in our mission. So here is the Bittal Kli issue. You could place, uh, otherwise non Muksakli, right, and catch water, which is usually not, which is usually Muksa, not usable. So what are we going to do? It says Bedel Faroi. Not necessarily. We can't necessarily learn that from here because maybe we're talking about dripping water, which is in fact suitable for use because as Rashi explains, you'll use it to feed your dog, right? To, to give him to drink. So maybe it is in fact um, not going to be talking about uh, allowing you to do it from muktza water. Okay, Tashma. So let's go back to our Mishnah's halacha with regards to the bricks. We have a b'risa that says that you could spread a mat over bricks on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, the ayatur mebinyana. Right? Because we said maybe it's only, because again, our mission only said fruit. What would be the din by bricks? So we say, well, maybe this, this idea, this brysa allows you to do it even for bricks, which are moksa. And right, we're still not sure whether we're only allowed to do it for moksa or not, and whether we're trying to support Rabbi Yitzchak. So the fact that we have a brysa that says that you could do it al gabe levenim seems to reject Rabbi Yitzchak. So the Gemara, not necessarily true. Why? The yatr binyana, it's left over from the construction. And therefore, you could chill on them. You could sit on them. And therefore, they're not muksa because it's sort of like furniture, and therefore, you can do it. And it's similar to our case, and it does not give us any insight into Rabbi Yitzchak. Tashma. Well, how about the following, Bryce? Spreading a mat over stones. Well, stones and sticks and stones are the uh, paradigm of muksa. So maybe that's an issue. Uh, uh, and that, that rejects Rabbi Yitzchak's idea, says the Gemara, no. Because those two are Avanim Korzalos, the Chaisen Lebeis Akisei. In those days, they used stones instead of toilet paper, Baruch Hashem. Uh, that's not our, uh, that's not our, um, culture now. But be that as it may, they used to allow, we remember from Erevin and from Shabbos, Chazal allowed a lot of, uh, a lot of things with these stones for covered abrios, right? And so therefore, the Gemara is suggesting those are in fact the stones that are, uh, aforementioned in that brisa, and therefore that's why we can cover them. Okay, so we still don't have support for Ula's view, so we're going to keep trying. Tashma, porcelain machzel sagabe kaveres dvarim b'shabes. Ooh, the beehive. You can spread it over the beehive. The beehive certainly must be muktzah, right? Says the Gemara. B'chamer pnei chama b'kshamim pnei kshamim. You could do it in the summer. You could do it b'kshamim in the in the winter. Uvavachli skaven latzud. As long as you don't have the intention of trapping the bees, then you can, in fact. Protect it. We know that a beehive is certainly mukta, and therefore, this must mean the support for Ula that you can cover it even though it's mukta. You can use a kli to cover something which is mukta. The Gemara says, no, this beehive is not mukta. Why? It has 
honey in it, and honey is certainly not muktzah. The Gemara says, "I'm um, like Rabukva Meishan Laravashi." I guess in Meishan they had good, they had a lot of beekeepers, and they knew their stuff. So he says, "Hatenach Kadvash." You know that the difference between Yemosachama and Yemosachshamim in Yemosachama, they the bees produce honey. And therefore, then you can, in fact, say that it's not muksa. Be mosak shamim ma'ikalameimar, but don't forget the Brisa said bechama and yimosak shamim. Yimosak shamim, the there is no honey being produced, and therefore the beehive must be muksa. So the Gemara answered lo nitzuchalalos and shteichalos. No, not true. Even in yimosak shamim, right there, you leave two honeycombs in the hive in the winter for the bees in order to sustain them. I did not know that. Did you know that the bees sustain on their own honey? Who knew? Okay. So, oh, I didn't know. I mean, you knew. I'm the only guy that didn't know. Now I know. What the, else are they gonna eat? That's a good point. I don't know. That's a great point. What are they gonna do? They go shopping? Right. They're not going to go to um, Target. So, <laughs> right? So he goes, but these two honeycombs are, right, so wait a minute. So if they're set aside for the bee, that doesn't help you. No, words, we think that because you have the honeycombs that maybe they should be, what? Um, not mukta because it's edible, but we, but they are mukta because it's not. Even though it's edible, it's set aside for the bees. It's not for you, Goranowitz. So he says so it should still be mukta. Says the Gemara. No, he planned to use them, right? In order to, in other words, he had he planned it, and therefore once he's chishev aleihem, so it's muchan by definition, and therefore it's not mukta. Ah, So then it should be aser, right? If he had not planned, it should be aser. Uh Okay, so then maybe it's muktzah. Fine. And yet, we allow him to put the mat over it. So the Gemara says, no, not so fast. Interesting. Maybe what it means to say is, it's just trying to teach you at the end that you're not allowed to latzud. In other words, if in fact, you have all muktzah, so then what would be the chiddush? So the answer might be that you can use the, the mat in order to cover it. Or the answer might be an entirely different issue. The Seda issue, right? Because don't forget, the end of the Brisa says, as long as you don't have Kavana to trap the bees, you could spread it. So maybe that's the reason why we're teaching you the whole Brisa, to teach you that you can't trap bees. Right? Maybe it, you could say, In other words, like this. Why are we bringing in the Seda issue? The Seda issue just confused the issue. If the real issue was whether in fact we prepared, right, the extra honey for the bees in there or not, then that would have been the topic of the brysa. And the brysa would have taught us that very thing. In other words, we would, ke- we would have kept it, kept it topical. We would say, staying on the muktza topic, let's just say the difference is, do you have the, right, the intention to, to, to keep the, the honey there or not? But we didn't say that. We ended up saying that, no, the issue is whether or not you're trying to do tzeda on these bees. Well, why did we get off topic if it's so pashut that it's dependent on whether chishev or not? So says the Gemara, No, the case has to be that it is edible stuff. And in fact, it's not moksa. So what is the Bryce teaching you? Not having anything to do with Ula, but rather, Rashi explains, in other words, we're trying to teach you the bigger Kiddush. Right, that seda could have made it aser, and yet, if you have kavana not to do seda, it's not aser. What are you talking about? Well, that would have to be according to Yehuda, who who holds that muktza would be an issue altogether, right? Because after all, right, according to Rabbi Shimon, you would not have an issue of muktza uh, with regards to the the honey, because according to Rabbi Shimon, says the Gemara, right. 
the Gemara is explaining that according to Rabbi Shimon, whether or not you had intention to use the honey, the honey is muchan me'elav. Honey is, is food, Goranoids. So, so we're getting into Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon, which we're very familiar with already, that Rabbi Shimon would never ask for honey ever. Uh, we know that already. So therefore, this would have to be only according to Rabbi Huda. However, says the Gemara, that somehow this has to do with whether you have kavana to do the tzedah. Well, if in fact we're saying that this is according to Rabbi Yehuda, well, guess what? This, is, this Mishnah has so much, right? This Bryce has so much lambdas. First, we're talking about whether, whether there's a muksa issue on something which wasn't set aside. But don't forget, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon have another machlokas also about Davashenu Miskavein. Right, Rabbi Yehuda holds that Davashenu Miskavin is still Aser. So if our Bryce is according to Rabbi Yehuda, and that's the only way that there could be a Muktzah issue, so then we're, st- we're not helped by the fact that you not- don't have Kavana to do Tzedah. Because even if you don't have Kavana to do Tzedah, it wouldn't help you because Davashenu Miskavin is still Aser, according to Rabbi Yehuda. So it has to be. Once you're bringing up Davashenu Miskavin, we have to be in the world of Rabbi Shimon. We can like anyway. So he says, Right, so it has to be, uh, make sense according to Rabbi Shimon. Well, according to Rabbi Shimon, there is no muksa issue. So Dover Shein and Miskavin wouldn't, wouldn't help. So says the Gemara, And do you think that it could follow Rabbi Shimon? Not necessarily true, not so fast. It's true that Rabbi Shimon holds that Dover Shein and Miskavin helps. But here there's a Pesikresha. Because after all, when, when, right, so we're cramming Zman after Zman of Lambdas into these, uh, the, into this one brisa. But Rabbi Shimon holds a psikresha, right, where it's obvious that once you spread a blanket over this beehive, you're gonna by definition be trapping them. Not to get into all the Lambdas of psikresha, but the bottom line is that Rabbi Shimon would have to concede to Rabbi Huda that here there's a psikresha and the kavana wouldn't matter. You're doing, you're certainly trapping them and therefore you can't just do a malacha and have a kavana not to do the malacha if it's by definitionally the malacha and get away with it. Even Rabbi Shimon would agree that that's not how it works. It has to be something, right, where it is not a psikresha in order to work as a davashen and miskaven, even within the world of Rabbi Shimon. So the Gemara therefore says, no, it has to be in the world of Rabbi isbe Yehuda. There is a window. Uh, right? There is a window. Not a, not a, uh, tzur, like we say for the window. There's machlokas whether the tzur and noach's teva in this week's parsha is a window or a diamond. We'll get into that. Uh, has to do with whether there's day, night, perhaps. Okay. I think the reason why, why would you say that it's, that, that it's a, that it's a diamond? There are a number of reasons. Like, uh, something that illuminates. Uh, I'll say because it's a weird word to use, right? Maybe the, the Torah would have used the word kaveh, which I've never heard before, to say if it, it was in fact a window. The Torah is trying to tell us something, but it's not for now. Anyway, but according to Behuda, the point is like this. What are we talking about? There was windows. In other words, there was a hole in the blanket. And therefore, it's not a psikresha de lo nichale. Ah, and according to Behuda, don't say, don't say that what it means is, as we turn to Lamed and it just means don't do it in a way that it would trap the bees physically. In other words, we're not talking about your machshava, we're talking about your maisa. We're talking about uh, what you're physically doing. So the Gemara asks, well, pshita, that's obvious. In other words, if you're putting it on and there's holes and you're not trapping, so then what's the problem? So the answer is, you might have thought that there's no such thing. Bemino nitzod means creatures that are usually trapped. So you might have thought that things that you normally trap in order to keep, there is an isotzeda. However, with bees, you don't normally trap bees. 
and therefore, because to capture them in the classical Tzedah way, Kamash Malan, you would have thought that there is no Isser of Tzad with bees altogether. Kamash Malan, that there is. In other words, the whole reason we build actually, Skaven Latsud means that even though, right, there are bees, there still could be Tzedah with bees, and that's the purpose of that Brisa. The Brisa is ultimately teaching you Allah, not in Mukta, but in Tzedah, with regards to bees that it could even apply to animals that are not normally trapped in order to be captured. So then just to finish off that piece, Ravashi Amar Mai Mikitani Bimosa Chami Vosakshamim, did the Brisa teach you that the, that has to be covered in summer and winter? It didn't say, right, this is going back to what we said before, that in the winter, in the summer, in the winter, they, you don't, you don't, uh, they don't produce the honey, and you usually don't, right, the, the beekeepers aren't taking honey in the winter, and we explained that maybe it's the, it's the, um, bee, the, the honey that we uh, leave for the bees, says the Gemara, no, it just means in the sun, in the summer, to protect them from the sun, and in the winter, to protect them from the rain. In other words, the very brisa actually tells you why you're covering it. You're not covering it in order, right, to trap anything. You're not covering it. You're covering it only to protect the bees, to either from the sun or from the rain. And therefore, biyome nisan biyome tishra tishrei dafiyomi coincidence because we are finishing up the month of tishrei. Good chodesh, everybody. Rosh chodesh cheshon is upon us. The ika chama ika gshamim. On these days, we're about to have cloudy with a chance of partly whatever, where it is sometimes a little rainy, sometimes a little sunny. And there is, however, honey in the hive. And therefore, the reason why we're moving the mat, right, might be in order to cover the muktza beehive and according to, in fact, at the end of the day, corroborate Rav Yitzchak's ruling. So we've come full circle back to Rav Yitzchak's ruling of moving the mat in order to cover what is otherwise a muktza item. We are now seven lines down in the two dots of Lamed Vav, Amad Beis, and we're going to, Bezrat Hashem, put it into overdrive tomorrow. Brokhat